0: Optophobia The Fear of Opening One's Eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 1. A Cold War-era military base in the Horn of Africa called Cagnew Station For years, there was an official story about a U.S. intelligence project at Cagnew, codenamed Stonehouse. The project included a pair of 15-story parabolic antennas that the American government claimed was simply part of a powerful radio communications operation. But as the space race with the Soviet Union intensified, that cover story looked increasingly flimsy. By the 1970s, civil war forced the U.S. from Ethiopia, and Cagnew Station closed for good. Or did it? What was Stonehouse, really? What happened at CAG News Station between 1974 and 1991 when violence and war gave perfect cover to any shadowy agency, organization, or cabal seeking it? This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Xander Harris, and I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Gray. How are you, Hassan?
1: I've had better days. What's up? I'm still in work mode a little bit. I just came from a call down uh, down in Rotterdam, so I'm sorry about that. If I came in with a bit of an attitude. Was it a tough one? It wasn't tough at all. It's one of those calls where you get out there and you check the cables and you find out, oh, yeah, your files isn't working because it's not plugged in. Oh. so. Thanks for calling me out there for that. So,
0: well, you get paid for that well, I don't, call, right? I
1: don't get paid for any time I go, and I actually don't have to do anything other than plug in the cable box. Oh. So I rarely get paid for most calls.
0: Do you ever pretend that you're doing, like you figure out because you're a tech uh, sales uh, analyst. Yeah. That you know right away it's just a plug. Oh, yeah. But then you'd spend like half an hour just trying to pretend to see stuff.
1: Yeah, I did that when I first started out. Um, then I realized I'm not getting paid for those hours. Oh, you're not? Yeah. If I, if I'm not doing any actual tech work when I'm out on the call other than just plugging in the box, I'm not getting paid for so that. That
0: does not seem right because you spend your, you use your expertise. Yeah to determine what the problem is preach brother right? preach so why wouldn't you get paid for that, that seems like what an analyst should be but you're analyzing the situation
1: every time we have an all hands meeting at verizon i bring this up i'm shot down so you have to talk to a uh, cassandra wilburn about that she's she's the cfo
0: she's the cfo yeah wow that does not seem fair at all just a quick note for uh, this week, if you haven't listened to our first episode, that's a good place to start. We lay out the known history of Cagnew Station, so it's the easiest way to get a basic grounding in the story that we'll be talking through for the rest of the season. You can also read that background at our website, optophobia.org. Sadly, tugboat captain Ginger Mull, who was supposed to be our guest today, got her balder bib stuck in the winch of her tug, uh, and they're still working to get her loose, so she's not going to be able to make it. Mm. Yeah, it's tough because she has some interesting things to say. But we will uh, reschedule with Captain Mall uh, so we can hear about her vampire research. But we got very, very lucky because our guest today was available and agreed to join us at the last minute. I am... Personally excited because Meredith Crossings, our guest today, is not just a well-known for her CAG News station writing, but she has been in many great movies over the years. Mm. Uh, Meredith, welcome to Optophobia.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about the Hollywood world that you live in?
2: I would love to talk about that. I uh, grew up in Burbank, California. Um, It's always sunny in Burbank. And I was very blessed with having two very supportive parents who, uh, put me into the entertainment industry. Um, I was an extra on many films, and when a speaking part came up for Cleopatra 2, which was filming in the area of Cagnew, uh, I jumped at the chance... um, to continue Elizabeth Taylor's role in some way. I hadn't read the script. I was excited. Um, but, yeah, so the extra parts that I was a part of in the film industry um, included a Woman with a Beach Ball. That was uh, very fun.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
2: remember Beach Blanket, yep. bingo. Oh, yeah. Yes, seen do you remember that. Am it. I yep. aging myself here? I so. might be aging myself. But I was in that woman with a beach ball let's see um i was woman by jukebox i had a summer in paris where i did a little fun art nouveau kind of stuff uh it's a very exciting time but yeah my career kind of stopped when i went abroad to film cleopatra too
0: oh wow it stopped then yes it stopped how long had you been appearing in films before that
2: two and a half years oh wow yeah yeah
0: so you were just starting.
2: I was, yes. I was available for a number of um, child roles, uh, but I uh, my braces cut through my lips. Mm. They were set in wrong, and it made my mouth bloody. And uh, even then, even in the black it's and white— It's hard for close-ups, probably. Exactly. Yeah, it just—it's a muddy brown on film, so— yeah I had to pass on parts, lassie um oh no yeah yeah uh you know i I, I was very interested um but I also was allergic to dogs mm. um so that would have been difficult um you know i my mother again was so supportive. she offered to dress up in a collie costume if that would have made it easier but oh, wow the producers, the producers would not said producers no. yeah, I've had a lot of doors shut in my face, but i mean, it's okay um again with the speaking roll up I was very excited
1: I I gotta say I recognized her face I couldn't place it though until she said girl next to jukebox because a lot of times I'm going to do some servicing I walk in it's that scene from that movie It's it's on the screen I'm like where do I know her from and now I know girl next to jukebox
2: thank you it's so nice to meet a fan yep
1: super fan I mean I believe that that was a real jukebox
2: oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was lit up. Yeah. Um, it actually did not play music.
1: See, you this is the stuff you find out talking to the actors. so oh,
2: Yes, uh, I am a walking I am um, a DB.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah.
2: So yes, yes. Um, yes, it didn't play, but when you plugged it in, it lit up and uh, I, I always ask the director, what's my motivation? Even the smallest part, right? Yeah. Shakespeare, there are no small parts, only small people. I asked him what my motivation was, and he said, well, what's your name? I said, Meredith. Well, Meredith, just sing. I don't care.
1: (laughs) I like when the directors pretend like they don't know everyone on the set. They clearly know everyone who's on on a movie set. You have to know everyone because they get the checks, right? So everyone's got a name. You know everyone's name. director's always pulling that funny... Oh, what's your name again? That's that's just fun. I see that in the extras of a lot of DVDs. A lot. Like, what's your name? <laughs>
2: oh, I wish I could watch a movie. I can't anymore. Oh, I can't just can't. Know. No, Was
0: it as a girl that you got interested in acting? When did you become like interested said, in actually my being? My
2: parents were very supportive. um They uh initially had the dream for me, and then they really just drove me there and dropped me off and. Uh, it just assumed this would be my life. So uh, I don't know that I was ever interested as much as they were. And it was just it was really nice to have supportive parents. Yeah, I wonder what it would have been like if I had been a teacher because that was kind of something that was up my alley. It's
1: never too late.
2: Oh, yes. Again, I don't have the attention span anymore oh, okay. for anything. Um, I grow my own sage.
0: Oh, wow. Sage. Yeah. So you're a sage farmer.
2: Oh, yes, I suppose so. But um, there, there is a license that I would need to get to officially be called that. So go ahead and save that title for someone else. Someone
1: else. <laughs> I have a question. Sage. Now, what are the primary uses of sage if you're a sage farmer? Um, I wouldn't call you a sage farmer, but you grow sage. But like, once it's grown, what are you using the sage
2: for? Oh, so I dry it up. Mm-hmm. And then I light it and go through my house and through the doorways. Okay. Go ahead and put the smoke around to ward off evil spirits. I was
1: getting ready to say, because, yes, I walk in a lot of houses of people who don't know how to work their Verizon Fios uh, little uh, actual box. What do you call those? The the box, the cable box. Oh. Yeah. And they're always walking around. People always walk around with, like, burning embers. I'm like, what
0: is that? So that's how they're trying to make the box work? with.
1: Yeah, they're walking around like trying to get rid of the negative energy that's blocking the connection i'm like you just gotta plug it in
2: if it's one thing i've learned from movie sets it's plug plug it in yeah yes that's something else that people don't know is a lot of the electrical outlets are painted on yeah
0: that oh my god this
2: painted on set they do not uh no detail is left
0: is that for insurance? They don't want people to plug things in in case that's yes, they get that's hurt. right. Yeah. Yes,
2: and actually, fires uh, on film because the light was too bright for the camera to pick up. Mm-hmm. It was just um, just little children waving papers.
1: I've always thought that.
2: Yes. I've
0: always thought that. So, well, let's turn to Cagnew, because I know that you are a very popular writer on the the message boards about. CAG News Station. So tell us a little bit about, you mentioned Cleopatra too, but maybe go back and tell us a little bit about your first encounter with this story, and then we'll talk about your theory about what what was going on there.
2: Sure. So I had read for the part in Cleopatra 2 as a handmaid. I had assumed um, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton would be back in there, assuming roles and they weren't. Um, I think the story took a different direction. So uh, I read for a part where I would just fetch things and I felt I was really good at that. And so when we went on location to shoot, they I cut to the set, and my lines were written out. the craziest thing. Actually, they insisted that I should have known that back in California. I paid my own ticket uh, to fly there. And I was amazed. And I begged, you know, it's, um, it's unbecoming, but I begged for some sort of role or something. Um, I, cause I, you know, I would fetch, I showed them, I thought maybe on-site audition, but then they said, you, you can go home. Um, well actually they said what's your name (laughs) i said it's meredith and they said well they
1: played that game again it's that thing yeah Yeah, they played that game again what's your name
2: (laughs) and uh before i went home they said actually you can go out with our location scout and see if if there's any maybe you're useful as a location scout so we drove up in a little jeep uh and went to the site and ever since then my life has changed
0: Let's, uh, let's stop there for a couple seconds. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll find out exactly what you found out. Be right back. Hey, optophobes! Have you ever needed to lose weight really fast, but you felt more like getting high and going to IHOP for a cheeseburger omelet with a side of pancakes? Hello, spikenard monocled cobra solve. SMCS is a solve, not a salve. It'll help you lose weight and wolf down those 2,000 calories worth of syrupy, cheesy burger omelet Americanness. Spikenard monocle cobra salve is made from spikenard, an emollient that comes from the Jatamanzi plant, and the venom of monocle cobras, both of which are found in the mountains of eastern Nepal. First make sure to leave your house, then throw on some neoprene gloves and apply the ointment to the part or parts of your body that cause you shame. Remain outside for the next several hours while SMCS does the rest. You will know it's working. A couple weeks ago, I used SMCS on my huge neck, and now 60% of the swelling is gone. Give it a try. Spikenard monocled Cobrasolv. Gird for the burn. We are back with Meredith Crossings. Meredith, you were telling us about your first encounter... At Cagney, so please continue.
2: Well, so everything um, was fine. It was a beautiful day, I guess, for uh, the weather. I don't know. I'm from Burbank, everything's sunny. And when we approached, I just had these vibrations. It's like a hug, it's like something hugged my brain. Mm. I was told later on by doctors they're migraines. I couldn't tell if it was just the atmosphere or what, but um, I was just affected. They actually said, Meredith, don't get out of the Jeep. Meredith, come back. And I was just so excited that they knew my name at that point. It's nice to hear someone say it out loud. Um, so I kind of I climbed and walked around, and, uh, you, you know, I, I actually was left there overnight. They, they got oh, man, f- I'd
1: love to spend a night there.
2: They got pretty fed up with me uh, fairly quickly. So when they realized that I had some uh, costumes with me, they, they had to come back and mm-hmm. get me. And it may have been being there overnight that gave me just more sense, more um, feeling. Mm-hmm. But yes, I actually cannot concentrate for longer than about an hour on anything without developing my brain hugs.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The uh, tracks with the cell phone signals oh. that are being all just aggregated there.
0: It's right there. It's all happening right there. So that's
1: what's going to happen. You're going to get migraines.
0: What year was this around?
2: This was around
0: 1978.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Tracks. About, yeah. It's all tracking.
0: And so the brain hugs, have they increased in intensity? Have they stayed about the same? Have you experienced any other sort of phenomena around the brain hug
2: it's crazy that you ask that because i have Mm -hmm. um actually i have some recordings if that's okay i'm gonna play what it sounds like in my head i've worked with uh, a number of people on um, recording this because i do believe it's sending me a message cool i just you know through my hollywood years i knew there was something about me my parents told me there's something about you meredith you're you're going to be a star. And I sometimes wonder if I'm not a star for film, but I'm a star for something else. Mm. <laughs> so if it's all right, it sounds a little bit like this. Sure. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. <inaudible> Whoa. Okay. I have thought about what that message could be. I have taken it to musicians. I've dated plenty of musicians. Um, My attention span actually works well for people in music. And I can't quite figure out if it's saying something to me specifically or if I'm meant to go out into the world and find others.
0: Yeah, because you are part of a certain sort of sub- group of people around Cagnu that has some, uh, I guess, sort of a theory about the messages in the, the waves, in the radio waves themselves, that something is being said to maybe individuals, to maybe a group of individuals.
2: Yes. I, I think that the population is bigger than we know. Mm-hmm. And it scares me. But, you know, you have to have a smile on your face when you approach danger.
1: This is blowing my mind right now. Yeah, that I'm actually sitting here with someone who's got physical ailments from being around Cagnu because I've only studied it from afar, you know. But being around someone who's actually getting my migra-
0: brain hugs,
2: brain hugs, yes, it's brain hugs. TM,
0: TM, yeah, trademark, trademarked, trademarked that. It. Yeah, brain hugs that are saying something though migraines are usually just debilitating i think for a lot of people for you it seems like unless you are just being a very positive person which i don't think it sounds like something's trying to communicate with you
2: it is you know it reminds me like i said i have such supportive parents my father when he'd hug me mm-hmm. he would it's it's very familiar to that he would he rarely did but when he did he would put his arms around me and he'd mumble something in my ear as a child I think it was mm, Meredith
1: <laughs> oh so at least your father knew your name so. yes That's yes uh,
2: yeah kind well, of the yeah.
1: director of the household
2: yeah
0: so these these messages have been you've been hearing them for a while have you tried to understand exactly what they're saying do you have any kind of gut feeling about what is being said or what is being communicated
2: well I think when you've heard it and I, and I wonder um it it sounds like it's asking for a bottle ba ba
1: ba ba. yeah it does almost like a, a baby maybe
2: yes and i am unable to have children so
1: um so this might be like the universe in a way like you having a relationship with a baby but it's just through migraines through the pain of raising a child right yes the migraines but you don't actually physically get to hold and touch and love that child but you you get the pains of it
2: don't know what that would be like i probably don't
1: have the like i
2: don't have any sort of thing that looks up to me with respect and joy i just have these brain hugs uh and i should amend my comment about unable to have children i have not found anyone uh, that would like to raise a child with me okay or just put a baby in me so i'm uh you know i i'm past that time uh so yeah i wonder if it's just asking for a bottle
0: but yeah it could be a an old russian person asking for a bottle of vodka
1: yeah oh yeah oh. it could be that uh, could be like bob bob then and the wave has been coming from 1978 yeah so it's like perhaps that sound we've got stuck mr gray mm-hmm. the
2: way you said baba mm-hmm. just then Makes me think perhaps it's some sort of sheep.
1: Ba ba. Black sheep. We know there are goats in that region. There are goats in that region.
2: I, 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 when I was there overnight when I was left by the scouting location crew, I slept with a herd of goats.
1: Ah. Mm. Wow. So in that night you heard Ba ba?
2: Yes, I must have.
1: Huh. Well no it's not the sheep you know, it's not the goats. It's prob- It's got to be the radio waves because the-, the air is saturated with it.
2: Interesting. I did work on a cruise line. Um, I believed uh, that the Indian Ocean drew me to it. Um, so I did work on a cruise line for a little bit. I was entertainment. Uh, it was great. I was one of many dancers.
1: Holy crap. I just thought of something. What's a baby goat called? A kid.
2: Wow
1: you slept amongst goats. You're hearing what sounds like a kid.
2: You know, I'd ask Miss Alanis Morissette if that's irony, but I think she's moved on. Oh, she died? No, I just don't think she sings about it anymore. Oh,
1: okay. I thought she passed away. I'll like, say, oh, that's a national treasure loss.
2: It's, a na- it's Canadian treasure. Canadian
1: national treasure loss, yeah.
2: That's right. It's a kid. Okay, okay. I would like to use this forum to see if there are others out there who are getting the same message, or perhaps it's a message personalized to them.
0: That's a good question for our, our audience, and I think it's a good place to leave it for today. But please, if you are out there and you are listening to Meredith Crossing's story, get in touch with us through our website, optophobia.org, and let us know.
2: Please sh- please do, because you can find me by my handle. Sage burner, mm. 420 that's just my birthday. Just your birthday, okay. <laughs> you can find me by my handle, and you can uh, just comment on my posts if you've been having any sort of phenomena like this. Yeah,
0: please do that. This is really fascinating. Thank you to our guest this week, Meredith Crossings. And I hope to see more of your movies. Yeah, I'm a big fan.
2: Oh, thank you, too. Thank you. That's so sweet.
0: And thank you to my co-host this week, Hassan Gray. Good to see you, as always.
1: Thank you, Xander.
0: Next week, we will talk to Fran Kilipich, a boiler operator from Solomon, Kansas, who has written about a 1960 Ethiopian uh, air flight that crashed into the side of a mountain near Jima. Uh, Kilipich believes that the Air Douglas C-47 plane was carrying a key piece of surveillance equipment meant for a competing version of Cagney's Stonehouse, which we talked about in a previous uh, episode, and was shot down by the U.S. Navy. Thanks for listening to Optophobia. I'm Xander Harris, and I'll leave you with this. A naked man need not worry about pickpockets. Thank you to Christina Martinez, who played our guest Meredith Crossings. Catch Christina on the improv stage and follow her on Instagram at, at KMTheShow. Jamal Newman played Hassan Gray. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at, at HelloNewman and find him at JamalNewman.com. If you've got theories about what was really going on at Cagney Station, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website, optophobia.org or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at Optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open.